seven minutes, and I'll do my best. Uh, thank you for letting me come, Brother O'Donnell. Love this building. Had no idea that you'd moved such a fabulous facility. Praise God. Thank you all for coming. How many of you have never heard me preach before? You have been lucky so far, and your streak is about to run out. Uh, Brother Moore has some great music on the table now. He's a great singer. His family, they're all great musicians. His daughter Leah was a member of our church for years. Never had a better female vocalist than his daughter. And she's everybody's good for a lady singer as he is for a man singer. So get by his table, get all this stuff. Mine's next to his. If you have any money left, come to mine. If I get the chance, I'll say something about it later. If not, uh, I didn't really come to sell books. I came to preach, so we'll put that first. But I do believe the materials will help you. Do me a favor. Take out any kind of a piece of paper. And if you can't do this actually, then do it mentally. Any kind of a piece of paper. And make a mark on the right side of the paper. It could be an X or a dot or a star or a check. And then make a mark on the left side of the paper. You can't do it on paper, do it in your mind. You got a piece of paper, mark on the right side, mark on the left side. Now, let the mark on the right side represent a really good Christian. The best Christian you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, they're a 10. Let the mark on the left side represent a really lousy Christian. Scale of 1 to 10, they barely register. And then, I don't have to make a big deal of this because there are no ladies here, but I always say without looking at anyone else's paper. <laughs> Men aren't quite as curious by nature as ladies. Put a mark on the paper, if you would please, where you think you are in your Christian life. And then fold up the paper and open your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 14, the Bible says, and do you typically stand here, preacher, when you read the Scripture? Do you typically do that? I do whatever the preacher does. I do whatever the preacher does as long as it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, or fattening. All right, three out of four is not bad. Okay. <laughs> Revelation 3.14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works. Well, that's pretty powerful. He knows mine, too. He knows yours, too. That thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyes to have, that thou mayest see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice... And open the door, I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful crowd of men desiring to be more in line with your will for their lives, coming to a place where the whole purpose and intent is the preaching, the transformative working of your Spirit, the Word of God in our hearts. Bind the devil, I pray, and keep him and his demons from any 
uh, desire they have. We know they try to come and snatch the seed of your word from the soil of our hearts. And I pray you keep them from that. Help us to determine in our own hearts and minds to be good and receptive ground. Bless the preaching, the invitation, all that is done in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus comes to the church of Laodicea and He makes a pronouncement about them. It's the pronouncement about their relationship with Him. And it really doesn't sound too bad at first. He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm. I'll take that. When I was in school, C's were my best friend. They didn't take near as much effort as A's or B's, and they didn't get me in any trouble like D's and E's or F's. And he says, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. Let me see if I can illustrate. Would you three men be willing to help me? All right, right we'll start with you. What's your name? Alex. Alex, would you stand, just stand right over there where the corner of the uh, step is there, Alex? Alex can represent a really good Christian. On a scale of 1 to 10, he is a 10. He reads the Bible every day, memorizes the Scripture, he ties, he gives an offering. He's in church every time the doors are open. He witnesses. He's given the gospel to people regularly. He doesn't mess with worldly stuff, doesn't watch nasty things on television, doesn't go to movies, doesn't use bad language, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink booze, doesn't use drugs, and I can tell I picked the wrong person, but we will just pretend. (laughs) What's your name, sir? Isaac, all right, very good. He got his name right the very first time. We didn't even practice. That's good. Isaac, would you stand about the same place Alex is on the other side there? Alex can represent a really bad Christian. Alex doesn't go to church except maybe Christmas and Easter. Isaac, yeah, Alex, good. Isaac's bad. Thank you. And uh, Isaac, uh, he doesn't give any money to God. In fact, when he goes to church, those rare occasions he does, the ushers watch to make sure he doesn't take anything out of the plate when it comes by. Uses bad language, watches nasty stuff on the television, uh, never reads the Bible, never gives anybody the gospel, but he is saved. There's people like that who are saved, read the Bible. It used to be a popular thing when I was a young preacher to say, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. I always thought, well, you haven't been to my church. <laughs> but that's not the best argument. Paul, moved by the Spirit of God, wrote to the church at Corinth and said, ye are carnal. So Isaac's saved, but he's low on the scale, and your name is? Daniel, would you stand right there for me, Daniel? Daniel is a lukewarm Christian. He's not bad. Daniel goes to church most of the time. Now, if it's getting close to the final four in the NCAA tournament, his bracket's doing pretty good. He may miss a service. He usually ties. Sometimes he's out of town, and so he doesn't tie if he's out of town. After all, if you didn't eat at the restaurant, you don't pay the meal, right? Pay for the meal? Try that with your house payment. Just tell the bank, I was out of town two weeks, here's a payment, see how they like that. He's pretty good. He'll uh, pass out a track once in a while and try to get some people to come for a special day. He reads his Bible maybe three, four days a week. He's pretty careful what he watches on television. Sometimes he'll get really engrossed in a program that it gets kind of bad and he'll just sort of wait and see what the end is. But he's not a bad guy. Now next Sunday, you can have either Daniel or Isaac join your church. You can't have Alex. I'm taking him home with me. After almost 43 years of the same church, I deserve one member like that. <laughs> so you can have somebody come to church a good chunk of the time or none of the time. Read the Bible some of the time or none of the time. Uh, somewhat separated, not at all separated. Give something, gives nothing. Who would you take? Would you take Daniel or you'd take Isaac? Who would you take? Tell me. Isaac. You take Isaac? Yeah. Not me. I'd take Daniel. 
I want somebody, you know, I figure this way, if he's in church, he's going to hear the preach, he's got a chance to grow. He's not in church, can't go anywhere. I'm not real smart with math, but I have figured this out. Some money is better than no money. Some so and he's better than no so and But the Lord Jesus said, I know thy works. So he makes the pronouncement of the relationship. He says, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. And then he makes the pronouncement about his reaction to their relationship to him. And he says, I would thou work cold or hot. Now that's really strange. Supposing I gave the invitation and I said, Folks, we don't want to displease the Lord. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. And some of us had to put our mark kind of in the middle. So I want you to promise God from now on you'll be a cold Christian. I not only would ever be back at this church or this conference, I wouldn't be back tomorrow. And if you went to the home church you're from and said, Preacher, I made a great decision for God at the men's retreat. I am going to be a cold Christian from now on. I'm not going to make my Savior sick to his stomach. I don't want to make him upset. So why did the Lord Jesus say that? Well, people say stuff. You need to think about what people say. And compared to the Bible, say, well, we like to eat things that are hot and things that are cold, but we don't like to eat anything that's lukewarm. Really? What temperature do you take your potato chips? You fry them or freeze them? They left me a Snicker bar in the room. I like Snicker bars. I didn't eat it, but I like it. And I don't intend to microwave it or put it in the refrigerator before I eat it. So why did the Lord Jesus say, I would thou work cold or hot? And he went on to say about his reaction, and not only does he not prefer it, but it really bothers him. He says, so then, because thou art neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's a really strong term. It means to vomit them out of his mouth. In other words, the Lord Jesus literally says to the lukewarm Christian, you make me sick to my stomach. I don't want to make the Lord Jesus sick to his stomach. Why did he say that? Well, let's go on. We see a pronouncement. I want you to see a perception. The self-perception of the Laodicean Christian is this. Here's what he says. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That's what this Christian says about himself. I'm an independent fundamental Baptist. See no need to change the term independent or fundamental, though those are just adjectives describing my position and my practice. And the word Baptist is a Bible term. Can't change that and be biblical, in my opinion. And I'm really glad about it. I'm glad that our churches still use the King James Bible. I'm glad that we still have God-honoring music. I'm glad that our teenagers don't look like they just came in from doing a drug deal on the corner somewhere. I am glad that we still have principles of separation. I'm glad we still put at the center of our services the preaching of the Word of God. I'm glad that we still have church on Sunday night. Glory to God, we're not messing up like all those liberal, compromising progressives out there. Amen. And we feel pretty good about that, and that's good. And I'm glad you're here. You're, by and large, the better men from your church. The guys that have no interest in spiritual things, not many of them came. Some did. Somebody encouraged you. You're here. We're really glad you're here. We 
trust the Lord will do a work in your heart and bring you up to a new spiritual level. But I'm not talking, I bet you less than half of this crowd is, is uh, addicted to drugs. We think we're pretty good. We're not like those other people. We talk about revival. You know, we think revival is revival is when those really backslidden Christians come and get right with God, and and those old people that have been gossiping and complaining and had bitterness and a bad spirit, they finally get right with God. Glory to God, we had revival. But let me give you a little example. I think I can say this and be done when I'm supposed to. You have a fireplace in your house. You want a nice fire and a cold day, which in Michigan is anywhere from oh late August until mid June. <laughs> Last year summer came on Tuesday in our area. What you do is you get a great big oak log about eighteen inches in diameter, put it in the fireplace, hold a match to it and light it. Because you're on a big fire. Right? No, you actually do get newspaper and you ball it up and you put it at the bottom of the fireplace and then take some pretty small little pieces you've chopped up small about the size of your finger and crisscross them and, and then you put a little bigger piece on that and a little bigger piece on that. When that gets going, then after a while you put that big log on there. Uh, now you really don't do that. You go to Walmart and buy a fire starter. <laughs> that's what you do now. But that's what we used to do. You start the fire with the stuff that's easiest to start on fire. Revival doesn't start with the people farthest from God. It starts with the people closest to God. But we have the idea we're really pretty good. And, and so that's for those terrible backslidden people. And we, we don't really sing it, but we kind of think, Revive Him again. Fill His heart with your love. It's my brother and my sister, but not me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Thou sayest. I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Now, let me tell you why the Lord Jesus says, I'd rather you be cold or hot than lukewarm. Look at your Bible. It says, uh, I, I was going to spew you out of my mouth because you're neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm. Next word is because. So I'm going to, t- that's why, that's what because means. I don't mean to get real deep into the Greek, but when the Lord says because, he's going to tell you why he said what he just said. Because thou sayest. I'm rich and increased his goods and have needed nothing. You go to this guy and say, you are a lousy Christian. What's he going to say? I am not. I went to church twice last year. <laughs> you go to this guy, he's always wanting to argue with you. Oh, I'm that bad. I, I may not be perfect, but nobody's perfect. And, you know, I, I'm not near as bad as those people over there. And I'm part of a good, solid, fundamental, separated, independent, Baptist, soul-winning church. And, and I, I'm pretty good there. I'm not the best member there, but I'll tell you, I'm a whole lot better than a lot of those members of that church. And Self-perception. But notice the Savior's perception, and this is really interesting. He says, and knowest not. This is not a hypocrite. This is one who is self-deceived. Has persuaded himself that he's really better than he is in the eyes of God. And knowest not that our poor, wretched, blind, miserable, and naked. You know what a lot of us think? We know the world is bad. We know if you... Uh, Start drinking booze, you might get drunk and lose your job. You know, if you start using drugs, you may wind up uh, separated from your family. You know, if you flirt with that lady at the office, you could wind up losing your marriage. We understand that. 
But there's something in us that thinks it's really hard to be a good Christian. And the world has it easy. And these other churches, they're taking it easy way. And they got a lot better. They don't have church on Sunday night. It's, it's hard for us. As a boy worked for Sears in college, worked a lot of that time in the shoe department, they put me in charge of a group of special needs young men when they had their annual tennis shoe sale. We were taking the tennis shoes out of the boxes, tying them together, putting them in brand new garbage cans by size. I won't tell you all about them, but for the sake of time, well, there's a young man named Ernest. Ernest had beady little eyes and a receding chin, and he looked, he had a protruding nose. He looked kind of like a weasel. I took Ernest home at night, gave him rides back to his house, and he got feeling comfortable with me. And one night he looked over at me and he said, Did you ever want to? Do you want to take a house and make it look like there's people in there and then set it on fire and watch it burn? Wow. No, Ernest. <laughs> Never been on my bucket list. <laughs> Might go to Hawaii sometime or, you know, maybe parachute sometime, but no, I don't think I want to. And then I had this flash of thought. If I, if I were a woman, I would have said it was intuition. I'm a man. It was just this thought popped in my head. I said, Ernest, you would never want to do that with real people in there, would you? And his beady little eyes glistened and his face began to gleam. And he said, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> Ernest has been through enough therapy to know you weren't supposed to burn houses down with people in them. And you know what's going to know that if people thought he wanted to do that, he'd probably go back to wherever it was he came from before he helped me in the shoe sale. But in his mind, he thought they were keeping him from something that was pretty fun and pretty good. And, you know, sometimes we hear the music of the world and we hear the laughter wafting over the air and the tinkle of the glasses. And we get the idea that, that what we have is hard and what they have is easy. and They have a lot more fun and, and it's hard to serve Jesus. And we've got to go to the straight gate and walk the narrow way. No, you listen to me. That verse isn't talking about how you live. It's, not, it's talking about how you get to heaven. It's saying there's one way to heaven and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the straight gate. But Jesus said this about serving him. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy. It's not hard to serve God. It's hard to serve the devil. My burden is light. And I want to remind you, the world and the flesh and the devil do not have one good thing for the child of God. So he says, you don't even know what you're missing. Knowest not. You don't really know how bad it's shaped you. We hear people say, I man, I had a wonderful time in my devotions. And we say, well, that's good. But for us, Bible reading is a thing to check off our to-do list. And it's, you know, sort of like eating cornflakes with no milk or sugar on them. Not bad for you, just not much fun. We just say, well, we had a great prayer meeting. Oh, good. But we don't want to go, and when we go, we don't want to pray. Man, we had a wonderful night out stolen. We saw two people saved in their home, and then we saw this guy walking down the street and gave him tracks. Oh, good, but for us, a good night stolen is like four cards, three people not home, one not interested, and 45 minutes eating Krispy Kreme somewhere. And know us not. Guys, you did a great job. Would you give a hand? You can go back to your seat. I think you got the point about that. See the preacher later. They'll give you each $20. Maybe. And then the Lord comes to this church and He offers them a prescription. 
I counsel thee. Hope you get counsel from your preacher when you face life questions, but what if you could get counsel directly from the Lord Jesus? Would you take it? Well, he's about to give us counsel. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes salve, that thou mayest see. Now, I won't go into the detail because of time, but Laodicea was proud of their banking industry. They were proud of their garment industry. They were proud of an eye salve they had. And the Lord Jesus attacked them at the area of strength. And he said, what you really need is not material wealth, but spiritual riches. What you really need is not to be robed in fancy finery, but to be robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And what you really need is not human insight, but spiritual perception. And then he says this, as many as I love, I rebuke and chase and be zealous, therefore, and repent. So the first thing he says that he wants them to do is to acknowledge their sin. We say, well, I love the Bible. It says if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive. It's true. But you know what that word confess means? It means to say the same thing as. Well, what repent means, it means to change your mind. Literally, the two Greek words that make it up mean to perceive afterward. You ever hear about a great Christian who really did something terrible? And just thought, how could they do that? I wondered that myself. I think I figured it out. I'll tell you. They do that the same way you and I do what we do. Oh, it's that my way, man. I haven't done anything like... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And no, it's not. Thou sayest. Acknowledge your sin. The Lord Jesus says, look, quit making excuses and quit calling it by a different name and start saying about your sin what I say about your sin. But he has a second part to the prescription. He says, I want you to acknowledge your sin. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase and be zealous therefore and repent. But then he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. We like that verse. We say, man, you use that in giving people the gospel. I'm not against it, but that verse is not a great, happy gospel verse. It's a sad verse. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible because the verse wasn't written to the unsaved. It was written to the saved. And it puts the Lord Jesus Christ outside the door of His own church. And He says to the church of Laodicea, I stand at the door and knock. And the way He says it, it's called the subjunctive mode. If any man, as if there's a question that even one person will want to talk to the Lord Jesus. And it's like Jesus says, I know you got your job. I know you want to work in the yard. I know that you're going to go hunting. I know that you're preparing for a big fishing trip. I know that you want to keep up with your ball teams. I know that you want to follow somebody on Twitter and do some work on Instagram. I know that you got all those things. But is anybody interested? in me? Does anybody love me? Does anybody want to talk to me? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. I'll stop with him and he with me. First part of the prescription is acknowledge your sin. The second part is admit the Savior. Do you know how close you are to God right now? You are as close as you want to be. For the Bible says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. 
And so if there ever was a time when our walk with God was closer and our relationship with God was warmer and our fellowship with God was sweeter than it is now, He's not the one who moved. I was in seventh grade in Detroit. Born in South Carolina, graduated from high school and college there, but grew up most of my younger years in Michigan. There's a girl in my class, I thought she was cute. Her name was Rosemary. If I'd have picked any girl to be my girlfriend, I'd have picked Rosemary. And one day she turned around and had three names on a piece of paper. Didn't recognize the first name, but she pointed to it and she said, that's my boyfriend at home. I said, that's nice. Put in the second name, didn't know that name. She said, that's my boyfriend at church. I said, that's interesting. She pointed to the third name. I recognized it. It was my name. And she said, that's who I want for my boyfriend at school. Who are you laughing at? Anybody ever ask you to be their school boyfriend? Okay, what was his name? I'm sorry. I really have a twisted mind. If you knew how many things I think but don't say, you'd be proud of me. I didn't know much about her in the seventh grade. And I liked her. I thought she was cute as you were in the class. But I knew enough I didn't want to be part of a trio. You know, I walked down the hallway, people said, there goes one of Rosemary's boyfriends. If I can be somebody's boyfriend, I can be there all the time. Boyfriend, we don't mean to do it, but we say, Lord Jesus, you can be part of my life, and you can be in charge of this area of my life, and I'll give you this portion of my time. Jesus doesn't want to be part of your life. He wants to be your life. I've got a couple other stories I usually tell. I'll cut one out for the sake of time, but I do think I ought to tell you this one. There's a newspaper man named Randolph, William Randolph Hearst. Very wealthy, had a big collection of art, and one of the things he liked to do is collect paintings he didn't already have, and he read about a painting one time. It was pretty valuable, but not for him, not expensive. And He called an agent and said, go get me this painting. Find out where it is, buy it. I don't care what you have to pay for it. I'm not interested in the deal. I just want to own the painting. The agent came back and he said, I found the painting, but I cannot buy it for you. He said, you can buy it for me. I've got plenty of money and everybody has their price. No, he said, Mr. Hurst, I cannot buy that painting for you. He said, why not? Well, he said, I found it crated up in the basement of a warehouse that you own. You bought it a long time ago with a whole bunch of other stuff. Isn't that interesting? Looking for something he already had. We spend all kind of time if we can get the next gun. If we can take a little fancier fishing trip. If we can get another pole barn. If we can get a big tractor. If we can get a nicer car. If we can have this or that, then we'll be happy. No, you won't. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But we spend a lot of time looking for happiness and joy. And what we're looking for, we already have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'd help us. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, nobody looking around. I'm just going to ask you a question. I wonder if you're here tonight, and I'm not asking you to pretend to be perfect, but you say, you know, Brother Willard, as I heard the message and as the Spirit of God dealt with my heart, I, I think I think I'd say I'm a hot Christian. Well, maybe not a ten, maybe a nine, eight and a half. I'm sure there are people like that. I, I think that's where the Lord would put me. I think He's pleased. I'm not saying I couldn't grow, but 
I think you'd put me there. If you can say that, would you hold your hand up high? God bless you. Thanks for being honest. Most of us couldn't raise our hand. That means we're cold or lukewarm. And I want to ask you this question. I want to ask, who would say, I don't want to continue to be in a place that makes my Savior sick to His stomach? By the grace of God, I'd like to begin this evening the journey that takes me from where I am to where God wants me to be. He's dealt with me about that. You pray with me about that. If you say that, slip your hand up high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, Father. I've used up the time I've been given. I thank you for a good response. I pray you'd have your way in every life, and I pray that you bless this meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a great way to start off the night, right? Powerful challenge there. And uh, thank God for that prescription. And we don't have to be that church. Praise the Lord for that. And um, don't have to be lukewarm. Well, we're going to take um, now and, and divide up. If you got your book there handy, I'll just explain a couple things uh, with how this works. If you're, uh, this is your first time here, um, you'll see on page number uh, six and seven the different conference sessions. And you can kind of plan out in your free time, maybe tonight or uh, throughout the, uh, this evening, um, what sessions you'd like to attend. You'll see that little bracket there. It has nothing to do with March Madness. I know I said bracket. I probably lost everyone's attention. But um, you, you got your little bracket there, and you can fill in what sessions. There's six different sessions available over the next two days, these 24 hours. And, um, but you're only going to be able to attend four of them, all right? And so you've got to prioritize which ones you want to get into. And, uh, and so the first three tonight you see on page number seven there, uh, Pastor O'Donnell provoking your children to wrath, Pastor Tim Hughes uh, standing for God in the work, uh, workplace, and then Brother Brad Gonzer soul winning principles to live by. All right, so you've got three different options there. Um, the auditorium, obviously, is right here. Teen classroom, if you go out this set of double doors, there's a set of steps going up. Just go right up those steps. It'll re- run you right into the teen classroom. And then the choir room, uh, if you go out these doors and just follow around or go out this single-man door right here and turn left, you'll see a lift right there. And it's got a set of steps. You can walk right up there, and it'll run you right into the choir room. So you've got your three options right here, teen room or choir room, and uh, your three different choices there. And so go ahead and pick, and then you'll see um, the next sessions on page number eight. And uh, again, you have the, those same three rooms, just all, uh, just swaps out uh, the speakers. And, uh, and so you've got the, uh, three more options there. All right. And so if you've got any questions about that, um, we'll be around here and I can point you in the right direction. Uh, but we'll make sure you've got plenty of time here to get to 